Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Yeah, I'm Nigel. Guy Relford is the gun guy. Host of the Gun Guy Show Saturdays here on 93 WIBC. Certified firearms instructor and Second Amendment attorney. And this is the part where you call us, 239-9393, if you have a question, a legal question, a firearm safety question for the gun guy. I just kind of let you take over, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we love taking these are, calls. They're jammed, aren't they? they? we got a lot of people on the lines, but we're going to do a couple of segments, aren't we? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah so keep calling, and, yeah, and if join, you're on hold, stay there. Join the discussion, 317-239-9393. And you know what? We have a Tory that has called in. If I remember correctly, we had... Tori on hold for a while last time we did this oh, when no. I was here, Nigel, and I think she had to, to drop off, if I remember correctly. But Tori, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Tori, are you there? Oh, you uh, jinxed her. Yep, I did. Well, let's put her back on hold. We'll try to, We'll try her again in a bit. Let's go Jason. Jason, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hey, guy. I had a question about a Castle Doctrine. Yeah, you uh, bet. So, how would Castle Doctrine apply to things like staying overnight at a family member's house or a close friend's house? Because I don't really want to be in a situation where, say, I'm staying over at a close friend's house and I would have to hand my gun off to somebody who's maybe less experienced just because they, they're the only one who has the legal right to defend their house in that sort of situation. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, well, it is interesting. And the way the, that that subsection of our self-defense law is written, Jason, it says that you can use reasonable force up to and including deadly force to protect your dwelling. And it goes on from there, but we'll stick with dwelling for right now. Um, um, from the illegal, uh, uh, un, from the unlawful attack or uh, entry into your home. But it, it says specifically your home. However, in a different part of the code, it talks about how your dwelling can be movable or fixed, meaning uh, it could be a tent in a ca- campground. It could be an RV while you while it's stopped and you're sleeping in it or eating in it, whatever. Um, and so the argument would be, well, does it apply even though it's not your house because that's your temporary dwelling? The way I've come down on this and the way I teach this in my uh, Essentials of Indiana Gun Law course, Jason, is that if it's not my house, I'm not going to assume that the Castle Doctrine applies, and I, I'm going to have to be defending myself or some other person from serious bodily injury and not just rely on the Castle Doctrine. Because the, the, the self-defense statute also authorizes the use of force, including deadly force, to protect me or a third person from uh, either a forcible felony or from serious bodily injury. So that's what I'm going to rely on if I'm not in my actual home. It, it, there's an argument that it's your temporary dwelling, so Castle Doctrine still applies. But that's unresolved right now in Indiana, and I wouldn't want to rely on that. Let's go back to the phone lines, and we got David. David, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hello, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What you got? Um, a friend of mine recently passed away, and his sister will be taking over um, all of his possessions, and that includes a small collection. He's got... Uh, Mostly uh, long rifles, but also at least one pistol. And I was wondering if uh, how to handle that 
through an FFL? Can I take it there and transfer it to someone else? Or does she have uh, – what right does she have to that gun now to get it there and transfer it? Yeah, are the um, – was the decedent uh, an Indiana resident or are they somewhere else? Yes, the... sir, Indiana resident. She's from Boston. He's an Indiana resident. Ah, she's okay. She'll be going. She's from Greenville – from Indianapolis, but uh, we'll be going back to Boston. Yeah, and you know, there are some exceptions uh, dealing with uh, heirs to an estate, but the general rule, David, is that transfers uh, to a resident of a different state from the owner of the gun uh, have to be done through an FFL. So the safest way to do it would be to do it through a Massachusetts FFL and transfer everything that way. That way there's no argument that it wasn't done exactly according to law. Let's go back to the phone lines, and Joe is with us. Joe, welcome to Hammer Nigel. Hey guys, thanks for the call. Or, uh, my question is: um, I recently got my wife uh, got her a firearm because of an incident that she had at one of the local targets. Uh-huh. Uh, but I won't let her carry it yet because she hadn't had any training. But I've kind of taken a liking to hers more than the one that I normally carry. And if I carry it and for whatever reason get stopped and they run and it comes back registered to her, would I have any issues? No. Uh, It's a great question, Joe. We don't have registration of firearms in Indiana, uh, so you can carry lawfully any gun you legally possess. And so as long as it's not stolen uh, or something along those lines, uh, you can carry any gun. You you could stop by the station right now and go, hey, guy, I want to carry your SIG 365 you're carrying today for a couple of days, and let's swap guns. And I go, sure, and I can hand you, you know, even though, you know, you and I aren't married, we're, you know, we're, we don't even know each other personally, I can lend you my gun. You can legally carry that. That's because we don't have registration. And some states, uh, you can only carry the specific handguns under their their so-called concealed carry laws, which they call them in a lot of other states, you can only carry the gun that is associated with your license. We don't have that in Indiana. In fact, uh, it sounds like you have a license to carry. Um, So, in fact, when you applied for your license to carry in Indiana, they didn't even ask you what gun you were going to carry. And unlike some other states where they do, to say, okay, Doug is licensed to carry or Joe is licensed to carry this particular firearm, that doesn't work that way in Indiana. You can you can lawfully carry. Now, under constitutional carry, it's the same way. You can carry any gun that you legally possess, which basically means it's not stolen or doesn't have the serial number filed off of it or something along those lines. Hey, Joe, you didn't since you bought it for your wife, you didn't buy her like one of those pink guns with the bedazzled handle on it or anything, did you? Well, yeah, did that's you? why he likes it better than his gun. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, originally, she did want something like that, but no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair question. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for calling. Let's go back to the phone line. And you know what? I was calling Tori a young lady, and I think I had that all wrong. Tori is a guy, I think. Tori, I'm sorry about that, brother. Tori, are Tori you? Keeps- there you are. My name's Corey, not Tori. Corey. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. That's all right. We have we have, we have we have Kylan, who's the greatest producer on the planet. Um, so that's the first time I've ever actually seen her make a mistake. So I'm kind of glad that, to know she's even capable of making a mistake. So Corey, Very I'm sorry. Rare. No wonder you didn't uh, you didn't respond last time. Corey, I'm sorry. What you got for us? Well, I was just curious what your feelings are on about the uh, the ATF trying to change the definition of a firearm that was set out in the Gun Control Act of '68. In particular, dealing with 80 percent lowers and oh. what they. Do to be readily modified it has no uh wording or language in the gun control act of 68 whatsoever i'm just curious 
how you feel about that and what what can be done about it. Well, I think it's an unconstitutional uh, exercise of legislative authority by an executive agency, which is not supposed to have legislative authority. And where they haven't been authorized specifically by Congress to pass those kind of regulations, um, and we had a great case. Uh, it wasn't a gun case. It wasn't a Second Amendment case. It wasn't an ATF case, but we had a great case out of the U.S. Supreme Court this last session in 2022. It dealt with uh, New Jersey versus EPA, that where clean air, clean water, I forget which now, regulations passed by the EPA weren't specifically authorized um, in enabling legislation by Congress, and they threw those regulations out. I think ATF could have a very similar problem where they just rewrite the rules on their own. And a classic example is bump stocks. You know, it was at the at the direction of President Trump at the time, but after the Las Vegas shooting where bump stocks were allegedly used, bump st- or Trump said, that's it, bump stocks are gone. ATF wrote a rule that changed the definition of machine gun, the definition written by Congress. And guess what? Since then, ATF's getting its butt kicked on bump stock cases all over the country. I just won a bump stock case last year uh, because it was an executive agency exercising an, un- an unconstitutional legislative authority, and I think that's easily where that could go. This is, and for people who don't know, what Corey was talking about is uh, the legislation aimed at so-called ghost guns, where uh, they were changing the definition of a firearm to include. Um, uh, uh, different parts of the gun, including receivers, upper receivers, uh, that had ne- and unfinished receivers is a better way of putting it, uh, that uh, that had never been classified as firearms before. Uh, that could easily be described as an unconstitutional exercise of legislative authority, Corey, and I'm glad you asked. I think you'll see that issue litigated. I really do. Uh, you want to do another one before the do, break? Night? Do one more. We'll take a break, and we'll take some. We'll take even more calls. Yeah, do one more. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Doug. Doug, welcome to Hammer Nigel. What you got for us? Uh, I got a question about ammunition. Uh, if someone is a hand loader, reloader, uh, especially with the the latest uh, scarce, you know, components, or especially ammunition, if if there's an incident that happens, how big of a deal is that in the prosecutor's eyes? I know. Masad Ayub for years has preached, don't carry your own hand loads. Uh, what's your experience and opinion was on he, that? Was he saying hand well, load, like, it, well, a, like yeah, a six it, shooter or something like that? Well, no, this is uh, somebody who basically makes their own ammo. Oh, you, make your own you could, ammo. Because well, you, you can buy you, the components. I thought you were talking about like hand loading it, like they did in the old west. Well, well, but it, it's it's mechanized. In other words, they have reloading presses they use. I have a Dillon Progressive reloading press in my basement, um, and where people can uh, take the components, the brass, the primer, the gunpowder, no the kidding. bullet, and 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 what's nice, uh, the reloaders love doing this, is they can reuse their brass. So a lot of times you'll see guys picking up the brass shell casings yeah. off the ground where they're shooting range. They, that may be because they're recycling it. More likely, it means they're a reloader, um, so they're going to go home and 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 essentially uh, reuse that brass by putting a new primer in it, resizing it, loading it with gunpowder, uh, putting a bullet uh, in, in, into that. So that's and, allowed. And oh, sure, yeah. I, but but Doug's question is a good one, which is okay. Let's say somebody breaks in my house or somebody tries to mug me on the street, and I shoot him, and I use ammunition that I've reloaded myself. Is there any legal ramification from that? And and Doug, I, and I can't speak for every prosecutor in Indiana, but I got to tell you, invariably, no. In an awful, I've had an awful lot of gun cases over the years, and I don't remember a prosecutor ever even mentioning the the, the source of the ammo or, or, or distinguishing between factory ammo and reloaded ammo. Now, 
if I suppose, and we've seen this pop up in some other states, there was a case in Arizona or Nevada where a guy used a 10 millimeter Glock, a Model 20, and he had it loaded with hollow point ammunition. So the prosecutor made a big deal out of this is a super high velocity handgun with super lethal ammo. And that somehow uh, was indicative of this guy just walking around looking for an excuse to murder somebody. That didn't go anywhere. Uh, and ultimately, that person was 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 vindicated. Um, that's Fish versus Arizona, I think is the name of that case. But at any rate, um, I, I've never seen them even ask. And I have had, for instance, cases where prosecutors have said, well, I don't think a jury is going to like the fact that your client used an AR-15 uh, to defend himself, or they're not going to like the fact that they he, that your client used hollow-point ammunition. And the last time that happened with a, a deputy prosecutor is here in Marion County it's a few years ago. I, I, I pulled up on my just on my phone, I pulled up a copy of the self-defense statute. And, and I held it out to him, and I said, Here's a self-defense statute, 3541 3-2. Just Google I said, it. I said, I said, I said, do me a favor, scroll through this and tell me where it is there's a different standard for using really, really <laughs> yeah. deadly force. Really, really <laughs> deadly force. Extra right? supercalifragilistic deadly force. Right. You're, you're, you're either justifying using deadly force or you're not. Very, you're very, very, using, very, 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 very deadly force. Yeah. Is there some different standard for using de- really, really deadly force? And, and the guy just looked at me like, well, I can't mm-hmm. establish that. No, you can't. So if I shoot him with my AR-15 or hit him over the head with a bowling ball, it doesn't really matter if I was justified all along in using deadly force. Quick break. If you're on hold... Stay there, uh, right? I mean, we yeah, absolutely. Be- and and I'll tell you what, we're going to have time to take some more callers as well. So give us a call three one seven two three nine ninety three ninety three. We'll get you on. Ask the gun guy on Hammer and Nigel.